Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. And Gaius, again, is one of these brothers who was like that. He was full of faith. He had the fruit of the Spirit happening in his life. And that's the way it ought to be with us. There ought to be fruit in our life. We ought to be the most hospitable. And again, in Matthew 5, verse 16, what did Jesus say? Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. In our study for today, we see that John's goodwill towards Gaius came from his understanding that he walked in the truth. Nothing pleases John more than to know that his children walk in truth. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We will walk in truth if we walk in Christ. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's message. God can do all those things. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, he said that some suppose that godliness is a means of gain. And Paul would say to Timothy, and this is 1 Timothy 6 uh, verses 3 through 11, he says, from such withdraw yourself. He says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what's great gain, godliness with contentment. That means that the things that I've been given by the Lord, I can be content with those things and still, instead of always lusting after the, the thing that I don't have. And to, to me, that's one of the secrets of life is learning to be content with what you have. It doesn't mean that you can't desire things, but when that desire turns into something that drives you, it becomes an idol. It becomes something that's aberrant. It becomes something abnormal to you. And you all know what I'm talking about. There's nothing wrong with wanting new things. To desire something, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it takes your life over and you're willing to sacrifice and do anything to obtain it, now you've got a whole different problem. And that is what the Bible is against. It's not against you having wealth. Make sure you are right with God in it and how you obtained it. And be willing, if he says, I want you to do this with it, that you're faithful to do it with it. And he may not call you to do anything, or very little, maybe a little, maybe a lot. It's up to him. Because he knows our hearts. He knows what's inside. I don't even know what's inside of me, but sometimes he'll challenge me, and I'm like, I didn't even know I had a problem with that. He goes, yeah, yeah, you thought you were all that, but you're really not, Rob, I love you. 
But there's this little thing that you probably haven't even considered. You haven't thought about it in a long time, but I need to address it. And why does he do that? To make me upset? No, he does it because he loves me, because he loves you. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. This is called the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. Look with me at verse 11. We're just going to cherry pick a few things out of this chapter. This is called the hall of faith. Remember that. The faith, the prosperity people say that if you have enough faith, these things will happen. A child of God should never be hungry, should never be destitute, should always have their problems. and No problems, actually. Everything should be just fine. And if you do have problems, it's a lapse of faith on your part. But look what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 11. It says, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to receive seed. She was 90 years old when she had Isaac. Up until that time, she'd been branded. It was a curse back at that time to be a woman and to not have children. And she went through all the castigation, all the frowns. Maybe it's because she didn't have enough faith. That's what the prosperity people would say. But look at her. In Hebrews chapter 16, it says, But these people mentioned uh, uh, in verse 16, prior to verse 16, it says, Now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them a city. In the health and wealth group, they are more focused on the earthly and the temporary, and they make null and void the true faithful, like we see written here in Hebrews chapter 11. It says in verse 24 of the same chapter, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather what? To live in a yacht by the Nile? No, to suffer affliction with the people of God. I guess he must not have had enough faith. And going on in verse 32, And what more shall I say, the author says, from the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, who through faith subdued kingdoms, David and Samuel, through, who wrought righteousness. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched violence of fire. They exchange, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and some were brought under the sword or sawn asunder, as it says in verse seven, or 37. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain. All these, having obtained a good report through God, through faith received, they didn't receive the promises. And even Jesus, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and now is set down at the right hand of the Father. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. (laughs) And you've not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And so even Jesus, the prosperity people would say, just didn't have it. He didn't have... He didn't have that thing, man. Just wasn't working. Wasn't working for you. Sorry. Paul listed his troubles in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes. I was beaten with rods. I was shipwrecked. I was in the deep for a day and a night. I've been in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. And he goes on and on, hungers and thirsts and being in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. He goes, but all these things I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. And yet the faith and the the health and the wealth group would say, he just doesn't have enough faith. He just doesn't have enough faith. He just can't cut it. You can't be in our church. You can't be in our church. 
2 Corinthians chapter 6, giving no offense of anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience. Notice, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, imprisonments, in tumults, labors, watchings, fastings. He goes on. These health and wealth pastors, teachers, and televangelists will owe many in the Bible an apology if they even go to heaven. They're going to owe an apology because God often used the destitute. He made no promises to anyone as far as their material wealth. Certainly Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they had many herds. They were pretty wealthy, but there were many people. They, they struggled with barrenness. Abraham's wife struggled with barrenness. God must not have loved her. She must not have been, had enough faith. She just, you know what she needed to do? She needed positive confession. I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> no positive confession. But let's go on to verse 3 in our text. It says, For greatly, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. And Gaius, again, is one of these brothers who was like that. He was full of faith. He had the fruit of the Spirit happening in his life. And that's the way it ought to be with us. There ought to be fruit in our life. We ought to be the most hospitable. And again, in Matthew 5, verse 16, what did Jesus say? Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And he goes on in verse 4, and he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. We saw this in the last letter that he wrote in, in, in 2 John. He said the very same thing. I have no greater joy than my children walk in truth. It's a, it's a word that means a calm delight. It means a gladness, a cheerfulness, because oftentimes our joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. Oftentimes joy is in the absence. True biblical joy can occur when in the absence of all those things. What happened to Paul and Silas when they were in that prison in Philippi? And at midnight, they were locked in the very center, the lowest, darkest, deepest, dampest place. And at midnight, shackled to a wall or in the stocks, what'd they say? What did they do? They sang praises to God. Their circumstances weren't very good, but they had joy. They had joy. He says, Beloved, verse 5, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. You have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth for his namesake, speaking of Jesus' name, because they went forth for Jesus' sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. And, and this, again, is the commendation of Gaius, just that of, his, of his hospitality, of his kindness. And you know the church ought to be the ones that are supplying the need for those going out. That's why we support missionaries. And I'm hoping that in the coming year, God will give even greater direction where we can send even more money to missionaries. We ought to supply that, not the world. That's why when we went out on this uh, outreach this last summer, we didn't go to the door-to-door with our bag of goodies and the Bible and everything and say, um, you know, we'd like to give you these things for a suggested donation. Of $50. No. We give. We give. It is better to give than to receive. And that's what we ought to be about is giving. And let the Lord worry about the rest of that. You know, when we don't really worry about that, God always comes through. But when it becomes the thing that, boy, it's like our little golden egg, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not giving it to you. Don't even look at it. Don't touch it. That's when the fountain sometimes starts to dry up. 
when our focus is just on money rather than on souls that are lost. In Hebrews chapter 13 it says, Let brotherly love continue and do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. I love that. We therefore, verse 8, ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. And so John is encouraging Gaius to to receive Demetrius. I'm going to send Demetrius, this wonderful man who is like you, Gaius. He's got a wonderful heart. I'm sending him to you. Please receive him that we will be fellow workers for the truth. And this is a stark contrast to what we read in the letter last week in verse 10. What did he say? He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine of Christ, do not even receive him into your house. Don't even greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. And so now John is saying, no, this Demetrius who we're sending to you, this letter, you receive him, receive him. He is a man of like passion, a like heart like you, Gaius. And he goes on in verse 9, he says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among you, did not receive us. And um, this this word, um, preeminence, is just what it sounds like. It's someone who wants to be, uh, they're ambitious. They're ambitious in ministry. They want to be distinctive. They want to be the one who is in the front where everyone sees. He wants to be the one with the sequin jacket and the pinky rings. He wants to be the one that throws his jacket and slays that person in the, in the spirit in the third row. He wants to be that one <laughs> that everyone looks up to. Pride in a believer is an awful witness. Selfish ambition within the church is a dangerous thing. Desiring to serve Jesus is a wonderful thing. It really is. Serving Jesus is the greatest thing that we could do with our lives. It is a wonderful thing. And God wants you to serve him, to love him and to serve him. And you know, if you're here and you're new, you know, you'll notice, many, some of you have asked, well, I'd like to get involved, and you're, you're, you're fairly new to the fellowship. And I've said to you, you know, just give us some time. Just come and get blessed. Make sure that this is your home, that you feel comfortable. And then, some point here in the future, then you get plugged in. But wait, just get fed, get encouraged, get built up. It's more important for that to happen than to just immediately get after it. God's in no hurry. He's in no hurry. And it's unfortunate when you have a guy like Diotrephes and when you, when you have believers that are in competition with one another. I've heard of, of this happening uh, downtown where two Christian brothers were, were trying to witness on the corner and one was, being, was, do, was doing pretty well. And another brother comes up and he's, he's talking and he's trying to get the preeminence. He's trying to get people's focus off this guy and onto him. Same message, but two different hearts. And actually, both of their heart wasn't that good because then they start arguing with each other in front of unbelievers. Start yelling at each other. I was here first, man. I'm sharing the gospel. It's my corner. It's like, really? We shouldn't be about that. We shouldn't be vying for position within the church and seeing others as obstacles that are in the way of you getting what you feel you deserve. Because after all, you have many years of sacrifice and service, and you deserve it. None of us really deserve it, do we? It's a pleasure and a privilege to serve Christ. It is. Isn't it? Everybody smile. I know this is not an easy message. It is. It's a privilege. We need to submit to one another and be led by the Spirit. 
He says in verse 10, Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that. But he himself does not even receive the brethren, and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. So he's so bent on his self-focus and his pride that he won't receive anybody coming in to the church who's, who's like a missionary or somebody who's coming to deliver a message like Demetrius is going to. And if anybody else in the church does it, he's like, well, you're not in the church anymore. You're, you know, Have you known guys like that? Have you heard of people like that? They shouldn't be teaching. They should be sitting and getting that heart right before God, before they stand in that place. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil. So he's, uh, John is encouraging Gaius, don't be like this brother. Don't imitate him. He is doing what is evil. He, he doesn't doubt his salvation, but he's got an issue in his heart. Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, and he who does evil has not seen God. In other words, the idea, again, is that, that, that tense where if you habitually do good, then you're of God. And if you habitually do not do good, and rather evil, you've got every reason to be a little nervous about where you stand with the Lord. That's the whole idea. What does it say in Romans 12, verse 21? It's one of the, my favorite verses. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's what he's telling Gaius. Gaius, don't be like this Diotrephes. I'm sending Demetrius to you. Make sure he delivers that message. I had many things to write, but I wished, do not wish to write you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. And I love that. Paul or John. I keep thinking Paul, you know, Paul has so many letters. But John here, his heart was just it was it was really tender and sweet. I hope to see you shortly and see you face to face. Peace to you. Does that sound like a prosperity gospel? <laughs> I just want peace for you. I'm not saying that you need to claim some kind of large purse of gold some land, some material possession. I just want peace for you. And our friends greet you. And greet the friends by name. I'm so thankful that in a fellowship of this size, I'm learning most of your names, some that I still struggle with. But it's good for us to greet each other by name, get to know each other. We have that ability. Get to know one another and love one another. Right? In fact... Uh, next week, I won't be here, going to Florida. <laughs> Sorry. But Pastor David will be sharing with you next Sunday morning. But when I come back, we'll get into the book of Jude and then into Revelation. But this whole tenure of this, these three letters of John has been just that, just love, love, love. Love one another. Love God and love your fellow man. And it has to be in that order, doesn't it? First, love God. Give him everything. Love him with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. And Jesus put it in the right order. And he says, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Because if this is not right, if the vertical is not correct, if it's not working, and I'm not right with him and my heart's not right, this is going to be all off too. And that includes marriage. But when this is right, and I'm spending the time that I need, and I'm really getting fed, and I'm really being encouraged, boy, the love just gushes out. And that's the way it ought to be. That's the way we want to be. Raise your hand if you want that. <laughs> I really do. And I believe you do too. 
Don't get too distracted. There are a lot of distractions in life, and especially this time of year. And don't be condemned because of all the things you've got to do. But just take that time. Say, Lord, you know I'm busy, and you know I've got to do these things. But, Lord, be with me in it. Help me to have the right heart in it. And if I've got to jettison a couple of these to-dos for the sake of the priorities on the others, so be it. And be content with that and be happy. And let your life be joyful. Let the world see the joy. We're going to take communion. And i sorry for keeping you a little late here. You know, as we take communion, it's always a good reminder to, to do that very thing, to take your burdens. And if we're honest with one another, many of us are carrying burdens uh, this time of year, some heavier than others. But you can cast them at the feet of, of, of a cross. And you can say, Lord, help. You know, oftentimes that's the best prayer that a human being can offer. Not the flowery 17th century English prayers that some would say, Oh God, I pray thee. And go on and on and on. Sometimes the best prayer is a sincere, Lord, I'm drowning. Lord, I need your help. Would you please help me? Please help me, Lord. And so, Father, as we take this bread and this cup, Lord, we we understand um, what you've told us that it signifies. Lord, the, the bread signifies the body of Christ that was broken for us as you took the lashings, as you took the spear, as you took the crown of thorns on your head and the beatings that you endured, Father. And Lord, too, and your blood was, came forth Your blood was spilled, the very holy blood of God. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. And Lord, we give you thanks. And Lord, especially this time of year, Lord, the greatest thing that you want from us, Lord, as we give gifts to one another, Lord, may we give to you the thing that is most important to you, and that's our very heart, our very life. Help us to give it afresh again this time of year. And as we go into a new year, God, may we do that give you our heart again, to rededicate our life again to you, Lord, to ask you to straighten out those crooked paths that we've made for ourselves this year. Straighten those paths out, Lord. Straighten the vision of our families. Lord, give us men in the body, Lord, great vision and humility and grace. Help us to serve you. Help us to learn how to serve you. And, Lord, protect us from all the things in our culture that are warring against us, Lord, men and women. Lord, free us and forgive us and cleanse us, Lord. And so we take this bread and cup as a reminder of you, what you did on the cross. It's that simple. And so we do it in Jesus' name. Let's partake. Father, we thank you for this letter. We thank you for the example of Gaius and Demetrius, Lord, and Father, help us to never entertain the kind of things that Diotrephes was entertaining. Lord, help us to be those believers that are marked by love and grace, Lord. May our lives be a testimony of your grace working in our lives. And may we demonstrate that in very practical ways with one another, Father, and certainly with the world that doesn't know you. And Father, I do pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. Uh, many will be going in their separate ways even today, Lord, going to different places within the country. Lord, please give them safe traveling. Bless their health, God. Bless their 
family gatherings, Lord, may there be peace. And may the Prince of Peace envelop every home, every gathering. Lord, may you be the center. And may you love on us, Lord, and help us to be loved by you. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob begins a study through the Old Testament book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.